0: Welcome into another edition of the Todd Pod, where today we are going to hand out some postseason awards with my friends, the Hutch-Eye. We're going to hand out the first annual Hutchies as we wrap up the Oklahoma State football season. But first, a word from our sponsors. We want to thank MidFirst Bank, Next Generation Roofing, FireLakeJobs.com, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford dealers. I've got a Ford. She's got over 180,000 miles on her. She's reliable as all get out. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. You can drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for all the best deals on the full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Again, Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And we also want to thank Two Fellas Moving because, hey, nobody wants to help you move. I don't want to help you move. Your friends don't want to help you move. So call Two Fellas that do want to help you move at Two Fellas Moving. You can also reach them at twofellas.com. That's the number two. Fellas.com. They've got quotes that are no strings attached. If you want to know how much it's going to cost for your move, get in touch with two fellas moving. And don't forget his spring cleaning is right around the corner. If you want dumpster rentals, junk haul services, they do that as well. The number twofellas.com. All right, let's bring in the Hutchins twins, Ben and Sam Hutchins, joining me on the Todd Pod. I believe for Ben, it's his third appearance. For Sam, it's his second appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Now, uh, because I'm not good at keeping records, we had our first Battle of the Twins the first time you guys were on. Who won that?
1: Ben. Yeah, I won that.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Ben's up 1-0 in Battles of the Twins as well, and we will have another one of those at the end of this episode today before we do anything else and get into the hutchies i need to do a little housekeeping the green bay packers are on a two-game winning streak so he can come out of the corner and we can have our little (laughs) packers guy back in the background watch it over my shoulder today because the packers are one win away from making the playoffs but enough about the nfl let's talk some college football because it is time for the first annual hutchies and guys before we get going uh, I just want to let each of you, we'll go Sam first and then Ben, just kind of your thoughts on the season for Oklahoma State, just your kind of one-minute wrap-up. If someone was in a coma for the last couple months and missed the whole season, how would you explain to them what happened? I
1: think I'd groan first a little bit because it's going to maybe take longer than a minute. Um, <laughs> this season is perfect for an awards show, Todd, because there were highs, there were lows. Um, the the Cowboys threw three games did not look like a team that was going anywhere and then they got on a winning streak got hot switched their whole offense settled on a quarterback and ended up in the big 12 championship game which maybe was a low for him too a little bit they got smacked by a a very good texas team but yeah i think it was a classic mike gundy coaching effort where doesn't look to be a whole lot there cowboys have some question marks that are uh, very serious early on they answered the bell and ended up uh, in the Big 12 Championship game. So overall, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. If I had to talk to a Cowboy fan and explain this season as they were in a coma, I'd tell them, hey, it's probably not a bad thing. You missed the first four weeks. Uh, that, that probably wasn't so bad, but uh, the season did turn around. And I think that's most uh, evidenced by kind of the general feeling now that the season is over, especially compared to last bowl game when everyone was leaving and it was, what is this team even going to look like? Um, now there's so much hope, so much optimism, uh, so much confidence in the Cowboys for 2024. I think that's the biggest indicator of how this season went. So the good thing about
0: these award shows is when you're the host, you really don't have to do anything. So this is going to be real simple for me. I've tasked you guys with all the hard work. I've given you some categories, and uh, I told you guys to separately look at the categories, come up with maybe a couple nominees, and decide who your winner is. And if you both agree on who the winner should be, then that's the winner. If not, I get to cast the uh, tie-breaking vote. So in the Oscars and the Academy Awards, the first award out of the gate, I'm pretty sure it's always Best Supporting Actor. It's like the one that matters not very much. So sure. in that vein, we'll start with a Supporting Actor in football, the guys that never get any attention paid to them. Let's start with our first category of the Hutchies. We hand out our first trophy to the best lineman. Let's go Ben first on this one. Who do you think uh, maybe is a nominee and who would you settle on as the best lineman this year?
1: Yeah, Todd, I said uh, center Joe Mahalski. He was um, just kind of the rock of this team the entire season. And pro football focus loved him. Um, I think Ollie Gordon loved running behind him. Uh, he was so good, always down the middle first. And then he would you know jump cut and figure out where to go after that. But I'm going to give the award uh, supporting actor, best lineman, to Joe Mahalski. Sam? It's unanimous, Todd. Mahalski's my nominee as well. He didn't allow a sack all season. Um, And then according to Pro Football Focus, he allowed just seven quarterback hurries. So, I mean, if, if you extrapolate that, that's like half a, a hurry a game almost and uh, no sacks. So in a in a season where your quarterback, Alan Bowman, not a super mobile guy. You need to have that pass pressure in the middle. So, Mahalski the the nominee and winner. I,
0: uh, I was a center myself in high school and college. I was always told by someone that center is the one position that touches the ball every offensive play, even quarterbacks don't. You have direct snaps sometimes, so I always have love for the center. And congratulations to Joe Mahalski, who wins the Hutchie for best lineman here after the 2023 season all right let's go to another supporting category uh let's go to best coach but not head coach because that's easy only one guy can win that at oklahoma state so best assistant coach now with this award i think there's a couple things to keep in mind number one is who got the most out of their players Uh, it could be a coordinator it could be a position coach but then i think number two if you want to throw this in as well who's done the best job of accumulating talent at their position group. So we'll start with you, Sam, on this one.
1: Sure. My nominee for this is going to be Charlie Dickey, Oklahoma State's offensive line coach. And Charlie Dickey was not a popular guy, um, at least on on Twitter, which is full of psychopaths. And and I'm on Twitter, so I guess include me in that mix. But um, last year, and even through the first three or four games this year, Mike Gundy was pretty vocal about the offensive line actually starting to be the problem. And that's why the Cowboys couldn't run the ball a whole lot that's why they lost to South Alabama. The run scheme wasn't working. Pass protection wasn't there. And then why I credit Charlie Dickey with the with the uh, assistant coach of the year for Oklahoma State is, along with Dunn and, and Gundy, they just decided to scrap everything and change schemes halfway through the season. That takes some conviction, and it takes some courage, and it um, takes some humility to, to do that, change your whole running scheme, but the Cowboys went to a downhill, simplified running scheme that can just get Ollie Gordon the ball north and south instead of east and west. And you got a Doak Walker award out of it. So uh, yeah, I think Dickey did a good job this year. I said Coach Waz, John Wozniak, the running backs coach. Um, and Todd, maybe it is a little bit because of talent accumulation. Um, any coach, I think, would look great with Ollie Gordon uh, recruiting or, or there for him. And Woz was, was the guy who who helped get him there. So I'm going to give uh, that award to, to John Wozniak.
0: Ooh, so I have to cast the tie-breaking vote. Um, I'll say right now, as much as I loved on the offensive line, I don't know how you couldn't give the tie-breaking vote to the guy who coached the Doak Walker Award winner. So I will will give the tie-breaking vote, and congratulations to Coach Waz. You have won the Best Assistant Coach Award in the 2023 Hutchies. All right, now we move to some of my favorite categories, plays of the season. I love talking about individual plays. I know that You guys write all the time about the plays that made a difference one way or the other in a game. So let's start with the least recognized side of the football, special teams. What is the special teams play of the season? Ben, you're up first.
1: I'm going to cheat, Todd. I don't know if uh, there's any cheating in in the Oscars or or how they do that, but I think um, Corey Black blocked two field goals uh, against Central Arkansas, and that kind of changed the game. I think I'm going to have to say – both of his field goal blocks were equally important, equally impressive coming around the edge and blocking those. And uh, the Cowboys might not win that game without him. Okay, my nominee, this was a play that just looked ridiculous. Hopefully you remember it. Um, Brennan Presley, Oklahoma State fans will, Brennan Presley will. When Brennan Presley tackled BYU Tyler Beatty after the, the Cougars hit a fake punt down the middle of the field and. Beatty, I got it pulled up. He's 6'5", 273. Brennan Presley's 5'8", a buck 75. So the punt returner tackled the BYU tight end, careening right at him. And um, it wasn't a a perfect form tackle, you know, not not something the Legion of Boom would teach. But Brennan kind of just jumped into him and wrapped him and and they fell. So it looked ridiculous, but it ended up saving four points. Ooh, two really
0: good nominees. I'm gonna have to go with Benz on this one and we'll go with uh Corey Black. I do think it's a little bit of a cheat. Because I was gonna say it wasn't plural last game. I
1: checked. The category wasn't plural, right? That well, that's true,
0: <laughs> but I don't think without I think without either of them, Oklahoma State may lose that game. And as much as you're right, Sam, that tackle by Brennan Presley saved four points that were important when you go on to win against BYU in overtime, that BYU game never matters if you lose to Central Arkansas. In the first game of the season, I guess it does for getting into the Big 12 championship game. But uh, maybe I just talked myself out of it, actually. Uh, but I think the I mean, season I mean, probably... now that
1: now that Sam brought it up, I'm like, oh yeah, that Brennan Presley play was pretty cool. I, I you mean... know what?
0: I remember one time uh, the uh, they opened up the wrong envelope, so we just had that here.
1: Congratulations
0: <laughs> to Brennan Presley on winning a Hutchie for the special season play of the season.
1: You sure it wasn't a frozen envelope, Todd? Uh, It was not not a
0: frozen (laughs) envelope. Congrats to Brennan Presley. All right, let's go with uh, our next one on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive play of the season. I think we may have a uh, unanimous on this one, and it might come from that same game as the Brennan Presley special teams play. Sam, you're up first.
1: That's right. I'm glad we're on the same page, Todd. My defensive play of the year goes to Trey Rucker, ripping that ball out in double overtime. To seal the game. Um, for folks who don't remember, I'm sure Oklahoma State fans uh, will remember because it was almost a scarring memory. Um, the Cowboys just need to beat BYU to get to the Big 12 title game. And they did that in double overtime after scoring six points on offense. BYU is going in for the win. And Trey Rucker ripped the ball away from Isaac Rex. BYU's tight end. Crazy play. Fumble. Stole the, uh, ended BYU's uh, possession and won the game. Huge play. That's also the play I came up with, guys, and just the the kind of hustle it took to do that. I mean, that ball wasn't stripped out immediately. Uh, Rex was almost on the ground. I think, in fact, it was uh, Trey Rucker's foot keeping Rex off the ground there to make that play even possible. Uh, so tremendous hustle on that one, and yeah, it, it changed the game. It changed the season, got the Cowboys to the Big 12 championship, was a really impressive play in, in overtime.
0: And let's not forget about the elephant in the room there as well. It kept Oklahoma out of the Big 12 championship, which made it that much more sweet for Cowboys fans. Congratulations to Trey Rucker, defensive play of the season uh, with the strip on the BYU tight end. What was his name? John Rex? Isaac Rex. Isaac Rex. That is the most BYU name of all time. Uh, Congratulations to Trey Rucker on winning a Hutchie. All right, let's move. And I would throw out just as an honorable mention, I know the game wasn't as consequential, but the fumble uh, forced by Benson recovered by Martin in uh the Texas bowl was a huge play in that game as yeah. well uh, here recently. All right, let's move now to the offensive side of the ball. Everyone always remembers offensive plays. What is the offensive play of the season?
1: Let's start with you, Ben. I said Ollie Gordon's hurdle. I mean, how could you not pick that play? Um, it was going viral on social media and – I think OSU fans obviously knew about Ollie Gordon before that. It was right in the middle of his big kind of run. Um, but that play was one that really announced Ollie to maybe a lot of people outside of Stillwater. Such a cool moment. Uh, we were talking about it for for a week afterward. I think we're going to have to go with that play. And when I was when I was researching, there wasn't, surprisingly, there wasn't a huge play that jumped off the board for me. Um, maybe you're thinking of one, Todd, or, that that I'm missing. But I, I picked a moment that was maybe, it, it was a great play, no doubt, but it was maybe more symbolic of what was to come. When Ollie Gordon hit that 53-yard rush with a minute 50 left in Morgantown, he already had 200 yards. I thought, you know, pretty much just get down after 10 and and uh, kneel the game out but Gordon hit a 53-yard run. It was a, it was a nice run. I looked it up and um dodged dodged a couple guys, put the put the acceleration on to get to the end zone. But that to me was when Ollie Gordon announced his Doak Walker campaign, kind of started announcing a Heisman campaign too and and really put Oklahoma State on the map um in terms of wow. Ollie Gordon's the guy in this offense and who knows where it's going to lead. So that moment to me, that's the one I think back on as a uh, the here-I-am world play for Ollie Gordon. Well, the good news is Ollie Gordon either way is a winner of a Hutchie. Uh, I would go
0: with the hurdle play as well. I think that's the first one that kind of came to mind for me. Uh, But you're you're right. It was interesting because I did the same thing, and there weren't a whole lot of just blow-you-away offensive plays. I would throw out there Leon Johnson's catch right after that fumble that we mentioned earlier uh, in the Texas Bowl was an incredible play as well that was pretty important for them winning that game. But because the regular season nowadays is much more important than the bowl game, I think Ollie Gordon's hurdle is, uh, is a good Hutchie award for him and probably the first of a few Hutchies he's going to win today. I mentioned Leon Johnson. He's a, he's a candidate in this category. We'll start with you, Sam. Best new face this season at Oklahoma State. Who was the guy who came in in his first year to
1: Stillwater and in your mind made the biggest impact? Leon Johnson is my nominee, Todd. Um, I thought it was funny. It, he, he turned groans into cheers, man. You look, you, you heard so much about who is this guy, D3, George Fox. And then when the games start getting played, you think, oh, you know, he's just a depth piece that the Cowboys added. Wasn't playing a whole lot early on. But man, he showed up and he showed out super selfless guy Um, in, in terms of. The plan with Johnson was to come in from D3 George Fox, get settled into Stillwater, work a year under Rob Glass, redshirt this year, and then contribute next year when he has a shot to develop his 6'5 frame into the NFL. Then the Cowboys got hit with so many injuries this year in the wide receiving room that they asked Johnson, hey, can you burn your redshirt? Can you play half of this year and then be done with your career? And Johnson said, yep, coach has asked me to do it. It'll help the team win. And he was um, deserving of uh, this category and a couple others in terms of selflessness. Johnson, really impressed. Agreed, Sam. I went with Leon Johnson third as well. Um, obviously, you mentioned the, the intangibles there. I think that's really what I'm going to associate most with him, the selflessness, as you described. But he had big games, too, from George Fox University. I think he su- surprised a lot of people um, kind of removed from the situation, myself included, with what he did against Cincinnati. Todd, you mentioned his play in the Texas Bowl. Um, Leon Johnson III is a guy that Oklahoma State is going to miss next season. And there's going to be an NFL team that either ends up drafting him or UDFA that's going to be really happy with with Leon Johnson.
0: He's going to look real good in a Green Bay Packers uniform here in the next (laughs) few years. I can't wait to see Leon Johnson playing for the Packers here in a few years. It's going to be so much fun. All right, let's go. I agree. We'll go Leon Johnson as the winner. Uh, I, it is interesting that
2: you guys didn't throw out Alan Bowman though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Bowman was good. Bowman was good. Um,
1: but I think Johnson was great. Johnson was, uh, excellent. And I think Bowman was good. Here's what I'll say about Bowman, Todd. I think, I think the Cowboys should want Bowman back. And I've heard a lot of talk. Oh, get Rangel out there. Get Flores. I understand you want the upside. But what Alan Bowman brought this year was crucial in terms of a veteran guy, stability, and he won a lot of games. Sure, he had a pretty nice car that he was hopping into. You got receiver, uh, you know, solid receivers, great running back, good offensive line. But for Alan Bowman to drive the car well, here's why I think the Cowboys should want him back. All that stuff he brought this year, you want next year. I think the Cowboys, if your goal is to get into the top 12, Get into the college football playoff in the first year of expansion. I think Alan Bowman can do that for you. I think Bowman can get the Cowboys to a top twelve finish next season because you just need stability there. You have a great cast around him, so that's my most glowing indictment of Alan Bowman. Is man, I think the Cowboys should welcome him back in a, in a way that maybe not a lot of fans would. It's going to be weird
0: on this next award because I don't know if Alan Bowman qualifies or not, but. The Happy Trails Award, the guy who is heading out of Stillwater, who had the best season this year, had the most impact this year, I guess just for argument's sake we will make Alan Bowman uh, eligible for this award. Although I kind of feel about Alan Bowman like I do Drake Stoops, that they should just be given perpetual eligibility for as long (laughs) as they want to play college football. Uh, But the Happy Trails Award, I think we're on Ben this time starting us off. Who is the best player that's
1: outgoing from the 2023 season? I think you have to consider Bowman just for the reasons we mentioned. Um, The season turned around when Alan Bowman became the starting quarterback. Um, And of course the running scheme, all that stuff changed, but you look at what happened to Iowa state. It just felt a little bit different with Alan Bowman there. That said, I think I'm going to give my nomination to Alex Hale, another uh, special teams player who normally doesn't get a whole lot of love, but he was great. Oklahoma state's had fantastic kickers under the radar guys. Uh, in my time around the team. And before that, going back to, to Dan Bailey, Hale finished second in the Big 12 with 27 made field goals. Uh, He made nearly 80% of them. He was, he was solid all year long and tremendous journey from tearing his ACL and bedlam Uh, before that game to kind of coming around and uh, doing what he did this season. So I'm going to go with the kicker, Alex Hale. Ben, you didn't start the recap of Alex Hale's journey far enough back. He came from Australia, uh, came over to San Diego just to learn how to kick and, um, did that with his brother, wake skating world champion. Um, great story on, uh, with, with Alex Hale. But Todd, this category was tough because I feel like this year was the year of the returner for, for Oklahoma State a little bit. Ben and I, um, if you'd excuse me to, to plug our show on your esteemed podcast, because anyone who's listening to the Todd Pod show, obviously has good taste. So hopefully you won't be too disappointed by going over to two on OSU, but Ben and I just recorded an episode about the theme for Oklahoma state this year is all the guys that were doing a bunch of stuff this year can return. Um, And that's why Oklahoma state man should maybe be so excited for next year. But um, the from from the guys who couldn't return all throughout Xavier Benson, Ben, I'm kind of surprised you didn't say Benson. He was a linebacker for the Cowboys. Important to have a linebacker, a veteran guy who knows what he's doing when you change schemes all year. So he was kind of um, uh, the, the, the number two guy to Nick Martin, but Xavier Benson, um, he was a dependable bet this year, had 65 tackles. And I was impressed with what he did and brought stability. Now he's going to the NFL draft.
0: Earlier. I gave the, uh, I gave the nod to Joe Mahalski because I was a center. I was also a kicker. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but that said, I do think Sam is correct. I think Xavier Benson is the right answer. And the most important thing of all, like you said, Sam, is that Ollie Gordon is not uh, eligible for the Happy Trails Award, that he is coming back to Oklahoma State. So I think that's the best news out of all of this. All right, as we move on, another category of the Hutchies. Best single-game performance. I I kept this one open. It can be offensively, defensively, or on special teams. Who had the best
1: single-game performance this year? Sam, you're up first. This one was pretty easy for me. Ollie Ollie Gordon had 282-5 at West Virginia. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, he had a run in that game. That was kind of his breakout. But um, as a whole, uh, that game was Ollie Gordon's breakout was a showing of, hey, this Oklahoma State team might actually be pretty good because that was early in the season uh, in the Big 12 play when uh, there were a lot of question marks around the Cowboys. And they changed the scheme, and that was the first result of it. So Maybe it's because I was a little removed from that game, and that was the only road trip I didn't make this year. Uh, ben was in Morgantown, so I just remember watching it on TV like, yeah, they can't stop this guy. And when, when you're watching on TV, you're a little more removed. So, you know, you can see the stats flash up after every play, and it's like, dude, this guy's unstoppable. So, all these five touchdown, 282-day in, uh, in Morgantown sticks out to me. Ben, do you agree? Yeah, it was just as impressive in person. I can I can verify that, Sam. Um that game I think was so important. You mentioned the 282 rushing yards. I mean, OSU needed those. Um uh, West Virginia was a team that was scrappy and just was not going out of that game. They were not bowing down. And Ollie Gordon um they needed every last one of those rushing yards. It was so important. All the touchdowns, everything with it. I think Ollie Gordon changed um a lot of people's perception, maybe even nationally after that game. Just a remarkable game. I'm going to go with that one.
0: Ollie Gordon should be seated on the front row for this award ceremony so he doesn't have to walk very far to the stage as he accepts his second (laughs) Hutchie of the year, this one for best single game performance. Uh, Let's move to some most valuable players, and let's start on special teams. This one I think is an interesting one. Who's the special team's
1: most valuable player? I said Alex Hale. Maybe for all the reasons, uh, I tried to give him the Happy Trails Award. I think he's deserving of the Special Teams MVP. Unanimous, Ben. I went with Hale as well. He had a school record, um, five field goals against Kansas State. He was he was good in Bedlam. Um, good in the good in the BYU game that I remember. So Alex Hale was consistent all year. One year, the Kansas State game, and uh, he was a special teams MVP. I think the best compliment you can give a kicker is that they aren't
0: talked about a lot. And you don't hear Cowboy fans talk about Alex Hale. That means he's not missing kicks, right? I mean, if, he, if that's right, they're talked about a lot, uh, we saw down in Oklahoma this year with the kicker being talked about quite a bit when he was struggling early in the season. So uh, I like that Alex Hale wins the Hutchie for special teams MVP. Let's go to the defensive side of
1: the ball. Defensive MVP, Sam, you're up first. This is easily Nick Martin in my mind. Not only did he lead the Cowboys in tackles, led the Big 12 in tackles by a wide margin, and really kind of burst on the scene out of nowhere at the beginning of the season. I wrote a story this week earlier where I wrote, you know, he wasn't a star at the beginning of the season. He wasn't even a starter. He was listed on the depth chart as an or with linebacker Justin Wright, but. Wright got hurt and Nick Martin filled that role admirably. So, um, Ben, I I assume you're in agreement here on this one. Absolutely, Sam. Um, he had 25 more tackles than the second place guy, Jason Johnson over there at UCF. So, um, the numbers were there and I think it's something that even Mike Gundy recognized in his press conference after the, the tax act, Texas bowl, say that three times fast, uh, Gundy made a point. He was walking up out of the podium and he said, man, like, we didn't think anybody was going to pass Malcolm, but here we are. Um, so I think we're going to have to give it to Nick Martin.
0: I agree. And I was a little bit surprised and I probably should have done this myself. What game was it where he had like 40 tackles?
1: All of them. Yeah, <laughs> he had, uh, he had he had, uh, he had 17 tackles. Twice, I think.
0: Yeah, there was one game I think where he had 17 tackles and maybe a fumble recovery and a forced fumble or something like that. That probably could have been a candidate for a single game performance of the year if Ollie hadn't just lost his mind at West Virginia. But uh, I think that's a great choice for defensive MVP. Nick Martin was really good all year, all the way from the start to the finish. He made big plays for Oklahoma State. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball. I don't know that we even need any discussion on this. Who was the offensive MVP? Let's, let's just do it in, in stereo. Gordon. Ready? Three, two, one. Ollie Gordon. That's where Ollie Gordon. Ollie all Gordon. at the same time. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, he had an incredible season. And instead of talking about his season, I'll just let you guys both talk about how important it is that he's coming back next year.
1: It's, it's so important, Todd. I mean, and not just from a football standpoint. Uh, Ollie Gordon is kind of the lifeblood of this team. He's the lifeblood of this university. He's the player, he's the athlete that that all the students know. I mean he's just so important he did his press he did his return with Dr. Schrum in her office. I mean, Ollie Gordon is so much more important beyond just the Doak Walker winner, just the nation's leading rusher. just the focal point of this offense and I'll add to that, Ben, like I said, I think the goal becomes clear for Oklahoma State easily next year as well. you want to get in the top twelve. you want to get to a college football playoff now that it's kind of doable now that you don't need a roster full flush of, of four and five star kids um, to to go up against Georgia and Texas, but with, with Ollie coming back, he's the guy you build around. Um, and Ollie is a guy that allows you to not have a five star quarterback in a five star offensive line everywhere else. With Ollie Gordon coming back, a veteran offensive line, solid receivers like Stribling and uh, Owens, and a, a solid quarterback like Alan Bowman, that becomes your recipe. That's uh, that's certainly doable. This one's pretty obvious
0: to me as well. And congrats to Ollie Gordon on his third Hutchie of uh, this 2023 season. The moment of the season, this is at the end of the award ceremony. They give the best picture award. What was the best moment of the 2023 season? I think this one's pretty obvious. Sam, we'll let you go first.
1: Sure. I'll get, I'll get specific because saying Bedlam, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was probably the best moment of Oklahoma state football In the last few years, I guess the 2021 Bedlam is your competition or or the Fiesta Bowl uh, in 2021. But with how much this Bedlam meant, um, I'll say this Bedlam. Todd, here's the reason why. You know this. When you get to a press box, there's TVs everywhere. Um, Like at at Boone Pigment Stadium, there's all these TVs showing all these different games. And sometimes I'll look up at at those TVs and kind of wonder man, if there's anywhere in the world, anywhere in the North America that I could be watching one of these college football games at live, where would I be? And, and sometimes it's it's at the Iron Bowl or, um, you know, uh, the game, Ohio State-Michigan. But at that night, it was, man, there's nowhere else I'd rather be as a fan of college football than in this stadium to watch the last bedlam. And for it to end so well, um, for the goalpost to get wrenched down, that was my favorite moment, just in terms of moments that'll stick with you for a long time. So um, honorable mention is me, uh, personally, my favorite moment was knocking on a, a cold call in a frat house just to find out what happened to the goalpost. I enjoyed that almost as much. That was uh, something that would stick with me too. But, uh, that whole, that whole day is hard to encapsulate. Ben, uh, did you pick the same moment? Hopefully I would assume. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it revolves around Bedlam. I think the moment of the year was dumping the field goal posts all those students into Theta Pond. I mean, it hadn't been done in, in 10 years. Who knows when it'll happen next? There's not another game like OU on the schedule uh, for the foreseeable future. So I think it was a hugely important moment for this football team, for these fans, for the university. I think that was the moment of the year, dumping those field goal posts into Theta Park. I know
0: the last time the post came down in Norman was the 2000 OU Nebraska game. I was at that game, and, and I think it says a lot about Oklahoma State. When you're a program that's moving up, you tear down the goalposts less. You rush the field less. The games have to be pretty important if you're going to do it. So uh, that explains how important that game was. I agree with you guys. That was the moment. The fans rushing the field, tearing down the goalposts, to me, was the moment of the season for Oklahoma State. I thought you guys did a great job covering that as well. One of my favorite reads of the year was, uh, I think it was Sam that went and cold called the frat house and talked to them. And as you guys mentioned, some of them talked about cutting it up into pieces and giving it away for Christmas presents. So there were some people that probably in the last week or two opened up some presents with a Boone Pickens goalpost in it, which is pretty cool. Uh, Something that's pretty unique to college football. All right, as we wrap up the Hutchies for 2023, I want to thank the uh, Academy, which is you two, uh, and congratulations to everybody that won an award today. I guess technically the last award goes to all the Oklahoma State fans, so congrats to everybody that's an Oklahoma State fan. You're all a winner. It's like
1: that Oprah show where everybody's a winner. Uh, Okay, that's right. I'm looking under my seat. I'm looking under my seat. Todd, is there a key fob down there? Unfortunately,
0: only one of you is going to be a winner in today's edition of Battle of the Twins, okay? So I have five categories. Since Ben is up one nothing, Sam gets to pick first, okay? So I have five categories, or you get to guess first, Sam. Uh, all of these categories okay. are a number, all right? And we're going to do, it doesn't have to be closest without going over, but just closest to the number, all right? So, Sam, you get to guess first. Ben, you get to guess second. The question is, how many miles, according to MapQuest, that's, I'm aging myself there. But how many miles is it from Stillwater to Norman? Sam, you get the first guess.
2: Okay, this is good. This is good. I, I want to say it's about 50 or 60. I know you need something more, uh,
1: more, more descriptive than that. I will go 59 miles. Okay, Um, this is our weakness as people, Todd. Anyone who knows us well knows the Twins are a little directionally challenged. <laughs> so you're, you're, uh, you're challenging me good here. But I think it's a little bit more than what Sam gave. Um, I think I'm going to go, what what'd you say, Sam?
2: 59.
1: I think I'm going to go 72.
0: 72. All right, the correct answer. I will reveal it now to everyone.
1: 82 <laughs> yes. miles. 82 uh, miles. So
0: Ben is up one nothing in our Battle of the Twins. Okay, let's go to our second Cat- category. This one's going to be a much bigger number. I want to know, not just this year at Oklahoma State, career at all his stops, career passing yards for Alan Bowman.
1: This is a, a little bit of a challenger because he had – some big stats, some big numbers at Tech, and then kind of sat on the bench a couple of yep. years in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I'll have
2: to go first with this one, Sam. Yeah, you, you ballpark it as best you can. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll go with... Mm-hmm. 5,100. So, Ben goes with 5,100 career passing
0: yards. Sam, what's your guess? I think I like a, a little higher than that. Are you um, going to do the uh prices Right thing and go 5,101?
1: No. <laughs> no I, w- I won't do that. I won't do that to him. Um, but th- this is interesting. I know he had like 501 game, so, so that helps a little bit. Um, but I will go... I, w- I was thinking before Ben said anything, somewhere around sixty one hundred. So six thousand one hundred. How does that sound? Todd? Both of you guys did Alan Bowman dirty. Oh,
2: because the gosh. number is
0: eighty seven eighty nine for Alan Bowman. Wow. So Sam wins that one. We're tied up at one as we head to round three of Battle of the Twins. All right, our next question, and this is one where I uh, I pray on you guys for being young. Because I'm going to ask you a question about Michael Jordan. What was Michael Jordan's career regular season scoring average? And give me a tenth of a point, like 12.3 points. All right? So Sure. Uh, I think
2: Sam's first on this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure going more than 12.3, Todd. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> now, it's, it's hard. It's hard to score...
1: 40 points in a game. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan. Um, was he going up against the – how much did he go uh, go up against the the Pistons back at in that game? At the beginning day, of his Todd, career, he Bill did. Beer?
0: He did. And remember okay. remember okay. at the end of his career – I know I'm giving probably too much info here – but at the end of his career with the Wizards, he obviously didn't hit those big numbers. So his career number came down a declined little bit. He declined a little bit. That's right.
1: That's right. He had, like, what, two seasons with the, with the Wizards? I think that's right. Two or three, yeah.
2: Okay, okay. I, I I'll settle at thirty one point four. Thirty one point four is Sam's guess. Ben, I'll go um, thirty five. You're going thirty five even. 35, Actually, no. no, 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 no. It's 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 a whiteboard race. I'll go. I'll go. 30 30. I'll go below Sam 30.0 Yeah the number oh.
0: 30.1 for his wow. career regular season that means it's two to one to Ben. You're, uh you wow. you escaped that one by the old who wants to be a millionaire probably dating myself again by not saying final answer on your first guess. All right, so you can okay. you can wrap it up with this one
2: uh yeah. Ben.
0: And if I'm, yeah, you get to guess first on this one, what was the highest or what is the highest preseason AP ranking that Oklahoma state football has had in the Mike Gundy era?
1: I think this might've been going into the 2011 season. Yeah. And Um, for the record in 2011, they got as
2: high as number two. They finished at number three. They've never been number one, um, and not in that preseason poll. I'll go. I'll go number. F- number four. Okay. Number four is Ben's guess. Sam. Four's off the
1: board. Yeah, this was this was when they they got the Sports Illustrated cover, right, Todd? And I'm trying to think how good you have to be to get an SI cover and. Um, you, know, you said Mike Gundy era. I, I would imagine that whatever they achieved in the Gundy era was probably one of the highest AP rankings, period, that they've ever gotten. Um, four is not a bad number. I, I think I, I, if I had to, to go over under four, though, I'd, I'd, I'd go over. I, I'd imagine they – I could see them being at three with, with all those guys that had come so
0: back. So you think they were at three preseason in 2011, and Ben thinks they were at four? Three, oh, yep. Lord. I'll go three. This is uh, this might be a four game sweep because congratulations to Ben Hutchins, number nine. <laughs> number oh, nine wow. is what wow. Oklahoma State was ranked.
1: Did they give him an SI cover for being nine. What's five? that? Happened? They got an SI cover for they being did. nine. They
0: did. They now I don't know what they were in the coaches poll, and I think back then SI might have even had a poll too, uh, but. Yeah, preseason okay. AP. They were number nine in 2011. They were actually also number wow. nine in 2009 as well, the year they went nine and four. Uh, the Cowboys were number nine preseason in that year. So congratulations to Ben. I had one more question, and I'll just ask you guys. Uh, can you tell me how many wins Les Miles had at Oklahoma State? What are your guesses on that, just as a bonus
2: question? That's a, that's a four good seasons. question. Yeah, four seasons. Um, they weren't great in the Miles era. Weren't great. Twenty nine. Was that Ben that chimed in with twenty nine? Okay. Yes, that was Ben. Twenty nine. That's a good. That, that's not a bad guess. Um, unless it is, of course. <laughs> but I will. I, I was thinking that
1: I, I was thinking somewhere like thirty two. I can see them. That's like I'm what eight here. I can see them getting eight
0: wins. Each Sam, year. you got to work before our next meeting, because the number is twenty-eight, oh. and Ben guessed twenty-nine. So Ben wins running away, four to one. Ben wins today in Battle of the Twins. Uh, we got to get on the out of golf course soon, and uh, maybe that will count as a game towards our tally to see who wins between you guys in a golf game if we can get out and play. Uh, the the Sad part for both of you guys is you won't beat me right now. I'm in really good form. Shot of eighty six in
1: Vegas at Bears Best, no big deal. Ooh. Dang, that's good. Hey Todd, but before we let you go, um, speaking of your athletic achievements, which would could fill another forty at minutes, least. Um you said you're a kicker, I gotta ask. What was your what was your career oh. long? That's the first question. My career you long ask was an
0: extra point. Uh in my four years of high school football. <laughs> And in my two years of middle school football, in the six years I went to school at Luther, I don't think we ever attempted a field goal. And I'm not making that up. We hmm. oh, we ran the wing T, so we I mean we passed the ball three four times a game, and our coaches didn't ever take field goals. And I didn't. I mean I just kicked extra points. That was it. I did a little directional kicking, kicking off, but just extra points. Um, there. I'll, okay. I'll tell you a quick story. My senior year, there was a blizzard in my final game. And I'm not exaggerating. It was a full-on blizzard. And we were down by two, and we had the ball at like the 11-yard line. And we were going to run one more play. And if we didn't score on the play, we were going to try a field goal to send us to the state championship. And uh, my uh, quarterback fumbled the snap, and they recovered, and we lost the game, <laughs> and so we didn't get, I didn't get my chance oh. at glory. I probably would have shanked it anyway, so maybe it's a good thing, uh, but yeah, I just kicked extra points. I think I was something like 38 out of 48 for the year, something like that in the season, so I'll take that. Uh, it, was, it, it was pretty yeah. funny. The uh, other team always got a kick out of me, you know, lining up to kick extra points, wearing number 77 at 330 pounds, so uh, it, speaking of fun, I had a lot of fun today. I've enjoyed you guys' coverage all year of OSU football. Another 10-win season. Here's hoping OSU basketball gets to 10 wins this year. Uh, co- conference play is about to start, so it's going to be pretty tough for the Cowboys. But I know you guys will have everyone covered with the 2 on OSU podcast and also at HutchinsTwins.com. Ben Hutchins, Sam Hutchins. I said Ben first because right now he's the most impressive of the two twins, leading 2-0 in the battle of the twins, but both of you guys do great work at selloutcrowd.com. Thanks for coming on the Todd pod today.
1: You got it, man. Big thanks to
0: Jacqueline Musgrove as well. Our producer, our creative director, Michael Lane to Michael Martin and Bobby Howard for all the work they do behind the scenes as well. Thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. I've got lots of live streams coming up on YouTube. I think I'm going to be live streaming the national championship game next week. So come join me there on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, leave a comment, subscribe where you get your podcasts as well. Leave us a good rating on there. And don't forget the Sellout Crowd app is in the App Store now, coming to Google Play soon, so download that as well. Thanks to Ben, thanks to Sam, thanks to you for listening to the Todd Pod.